everybody, and welcome back to the Meeting Gold Show. Today, we have a little bit of a different style. Sorry, not really even different style, just different type of guest. Today, I'm joined by my father, Tony Mealy. Ah, what's going on? Hey, Samuel. It's more Sam, but <laughs> whatever works. Um, my father is a financial planner at IG Wealth, and he's been doing it for... 27 years. 27 years. Okay, wow. Well, there's definitely a lot to unpack. Um, I actually have to leave for a flight in about two and a half hours, so we're under a little bit of a crunch time, but I wanted to ask him a couple questions because I think your story really is interesting. You grew up with immigrant parents. Yes. What were some of the things that your parents maybe taught you, um, positive or negative, to how to live your life? Thank you. That's actually a very good question. You know, being immigrants with nothing, they came to the country with absolutely nothing and legitimately nothing. They built a life and they taught us the work ethic and uh, the loyalty and the integrity of um, just what friendships and relationships are all about. And, uh, you know, they were never rich, but they were hardworking, middle-class people, but they taught those extreme great values that you can't pay for, that, you know, integrity and loyalty and uh, caring. Well, I always say, like, one of the biggest things that I look for in a person First example, when I'm hiring is, you know, a good representation of work ethic is if they're actually an immigrant, an immigrant child. And it's because majority of people who are immigrants know the value of working hard for something. Well, that's a good point. You know, now that's a generalization, of course, but I look at it and I remember a lot of the kids that I grew up with were from all over the world. But the common denominator was that, you know, they wanted to build a better life for their children in this country. And what's interesting is, that those values, wherever they came from, whether it be in Germany or England or Italy or Poland, it didn't matter. That seemed to be a common theme amongst all the immigrants. And so those values generally were carried through to the children. It's definitely, it's definitely a fascinating thing to look at and see how history's kind of shaped the way that our community is run. Um, you were a real estate agent. And I mean, you know that I'm well-connected with a lot of real estate agents in the Niagara area. Yes. Uh, what was it like being a real estate agent, and why did you make the switch? You're okay to dish real estate if you have to. <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, you know, I uh, for, bought my first property actually 41 years ago. I was 19, At what age? At 19, and I bought a fourplex, believe it or not, by myself, went to the bank and got the money. I had enough for a down payment, and at that time, uh, many people, uh, unless you're like, 50 or 60 or older, you won't rem remember that rates were like 20%. And the real estate prices had dropped basically in half. So it was an opportunity of a lifetime for me to get into a property. And I remember being scared of buying that property and fighting through those fears. And I remember I was even thinking about ways to back out of the deal. But thankfully, I did not. But um, I started three companies in my, in my 20s. And when I sold my businesses... Well, we usually tend to go back to what we're comfortable with. So being a landlord at the age of 19, at the age of 30, when I sold my companies, it was a natural um, move back into something to do with real estate because that was my comfort zone. I, I ha you've told me the story a lot, the shoe store story. Mm -hmm. Can you just give a quick like one minute as to yes. why you decided to own a shoe store and why it completely <laughs> failed? Well, it was interesting because I had started a few companies and they were doing very well. I had this great idea because my mom back in Europe uh, came from a family that actually made high elegant shoes in Italy. And you thought they would sell a and lot I here in Niagara. I thought they would sell here. And obviously... And it actually was the greatest teaching lesson of my life because 
I had a lot of great successes early in my life, and that was my first major failure. And that failure resonates with me even today. It shapes and molds some of the thoughts of how I invest, what I think about. It has given me an insight into business world. It helps me to understand cash flow and um, risk mitigation. It helps me to understand the importance of doing due diligence. So even though it was a good idea, it was something that I should have never done because it was out of my realm. And I took it lightly. And I think many people get into business lightly. And so that was the biggest learning lesson, but a good learning lesson. And it was a very difficult one because, again, with all the other successes, that one failure uh, failure really weighed on me. And what, what would you define it being a failure? I mean, how much money did you lose on that deal, like on that company? You know, I'm going back 35 years ago, but I probably lost about $50,000. Which is like how much now? I made like 200000 250000 yeah. But even more... I was like 28 years old. Didn't you run, you ran a donut shop, like one of the biggest donut shops here in St. Catharines. Yes, we had uh, three cafes at one time and uh, we ran them uh, nicely. I had um, uh, made my brother a, um, a partner in the businesses and we had about 25, 30 employees and we ran, uh, you know, a very well uh, run ongoing business in the community. And I mean, that I was interesting because I, inter- uh, well, I watched an interview because I produced one for uh, Charles Plant, shout out to Charlie, and uh, they had Beachwood Donuts on and she was talking about how I get, like annoying donuts can be. And <laughs> Yes, and it could be very annoying because I actually learned how to make donuts at the age of about 25. Yeah, we've and, still never had one in the house. Exactly. And you know, it's interesting that trade uh, trade is almost going obsolete because now everything is being shipped in. So companies like Beachwood, God bless them, they're doing it the old-fashioned way, you know, uh, one donut at a time. And, I mean, it, it works, though. Yeah. Like, they they yeah. create, I think they, they said they do, like, 500 donuts a day, and then when they sell out, they sell out, they're done. Yes. And then they could close at, like, 1 o'clock if right. they wanted to. Right. It's and, you know, fascinating. Now, mind you, we just didn't have, we had everything. We had uh, breakfast, we had lunch. We were actually one of the first coffee shops to actually incorporate donuts with breakfast and lunch. And that actually really did well for us because it rounded out the the the, the, um, the serving, as they would say. So let's jump to now. I mean, you're a financial planner. You, mm-hmm. You're very well at it. Uh, I think you're a humble person, but like you are top 100 in Canada for what you do. Uh, well, in our company, I've been blessed to be in the top, top tier, yes. So I guess... How does a person get there and ignore the, like what you did, the mindset side of how you get there. What was your mindset doing this and getting to the top? Well, I think life is a process of learning. And I think ultimate in the end, what I learned in opening up my businesses, what I learned about building relationships, what I learned about construction, what I learned about all those learning factors played a role in my um, starting into the financial world. So I was in real estate for two and a half years and somebody from the financial world said, you know, Tony, what are you doing in real estate? Well, I said, well, this is what I know. And he said, you know what? Well, we build clients for long-term relationships. And I actually love that. And building that uh, relationship versus just a sale uh, really appealed to me. And that really actually was one of the major, major reasons I actually decided to get into financial planning and the concept of being holistic, the concept of looking at everything about a client, not just a house, but looking at, you know, their cash flow, their risk, their tax and everything, estate planning. I love the idea of that, you know, it was so much broader and so much more exciting. And 
there was a joy in coming up with solutions. I can't even tell you, still to this day, after 27 years, I think I have more passion now than I did when I started. Well, and the other thing too is I think like now you're so well-versed in it. it there's, there's always going to be new learning curves, but realistically, like you might have to adjust 0.5% of what you know every year. Whereas like somebody new in the business, if I just joined, I would have to adjust everything and, and re- like learn a lot. Well, a great professional as a certified financial planner and any good certified financial planner in any company will always build and know that as a professional, you always continue to grow and learn. This is not something that just stops. You always have to learn and and hone your craft because the world is changing. You need to understand. And growing is a part of uh, the business. And I think if you're a doctor, I mean, when you keep going to medical uh, conferences and keep learning maybe new techniques, maybe learning about new new, uh, new uh, drugs or anything. Well, let, let me jump in because... Yeah. I kind of know the answer to this because like I live with you, but um, what are some of the things that you do on the daily to understand the markets and where they're at? And I, it, it gets a skewed question because like, it's not what you, it's not, that's not mm-hmm. just what you do. You do estate planning, you do tax planning, you do retirement planning. You don't just do, you know, stock market. And a lot of people right. equate it to that, but I am curious, what are some of the things you do on the daily basis to understand where the stock market is at and understand the political yes. and economic sides of the world? Well, <laughs> You cannot shrink down what the market is. The market is actually a multitude of factors, geopolitical issues, interest rates, inflation, job reports, but also looking at individual companies. My job is to actually put that information together with the consult of all our professionals at, our, at IG Wealth and all our partners. And we work with some of the 20 biggest partners in the world. But taking that information dissecting it but making for the individual that i'm talking to because each individual is different and i can't stress that enough we actually only do financial planning with the construct around the individual's needs and goals so when i talk about an individual it is really um a la carte and so that a la carte mindset takes a lot of work so are you investing for one year or five years do you need the money? Do you need any of that money? Do you need, you know, what are the other factors involved? But then I take all that information and then correlate it with what's happening and transpiring in the markets. And then how does that match up with that individual? And then making sure that the client is in the right types of investments. Now you, um, one of the things is I know you watch the news like more than anything, like you go home and you watch the news you eat dinner I've been like that and then, all my life yes which is which is why i think you understand things so much and it's almost just like secondhand nature for you to know what's going on in the world every second of the day well that would thank you that's a very nice comment but i would say to myself is this that i dissect information to make it relevant to my clients and so when i meet with somebody by doing my homework by doing my due diligence by looking at information from different sectors putting it together and packaging it so that it makes sense. How can I explain it to somebody? You know, we have a lot of elder clients and, you know, they want to know that they're safe. They want to know that they're going to be okay. They want to know that they're going to get their pension checks. They want to know that that I'm going to be there to answer the questions when they need that. And quite honestly, um, you want to be really good at any craft, you have to spend a lot of time at it. So if you flip burgers and you want to do it for 18 hours a day, you're probably going to be a really good burger flipper. If you are in media, if you're in finance or in real estate, the people that spend a lot of time in their craft usually, usually will be a much better fit for clients. Because what happens is um, this is hard work. 
And like anything you want to be good at, it's hard work. So I kind of want to change topics here because I get a lot of people asking me like, oh, what do your parents do? Like, are, are they like, are they entrepreneurs themselves or whatever? And I think like both you and mom kind of resemble a form of entrepreneurship just throughout your entire life. But um, when people ask me that, I guess my question that gets sparked is what were some of the things or at least one thing that you wanted your kids to understand at a very early age? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to my beautiful wife, Sandra, because quite honestly, um, the glue around our family is my wife. And actually, I understand that because the values that are important to me are shared by my wife. So Sandra as actually uh, taking those values that we both share and, in, and incorporate them into our children, allowing our children to grow healthy. And quite honestly, for me as a father, the important things are not money. The important things are character, uh, integrity, loyalty, hard work. And these are things that are not taught really in school. They're taught at home. And so I've been privileged to have a wife to um, share that goal with and actually can be there. While I'm working, sometimes I was working 60, 70 hours a week. My wife was there to make sure that those factors were involved in our children's lives. And, and that care and that, that, um, that intensity of learning and, and time with the children, uh, I can't say thank you enough for that. So do you have a story of one time that kind of goes back either for me or for Claudia or for Esther, like what you did to really instill work ethic in our family? Cause I think like I would consider us all hard workers. I think that's without question. So I want to, and I mean, that's, that's a thanks to you and mom, but I want to know like, what were some of the specific situations that you think you saw as an opportunity to teach us that specific work ethic? Well, I mean, it's kind of maybe generalization, but I thought Remember when we were, co I was coaching soccer and baseball and football. And I, I thought, what a way to instill, not just in you, but into the whole team. And the, the values of, you know, following through discipline, you know, um, having fun, but also learning to think, learning to, uh, to, you know, think outside the box, have a winning mindset, right? And, you know, and I, I would say, those are some of the great memories. You know, remember when you were uh, training for football and, you know, you actually pushed me sometimes to go out in the middle of winter and throw the football around when it's, you know, minus five degrees Celsius. Yeah, but at the same time, I think like the fact that you even went out, it's, well, a lot of know, parents wouldn't do that, right. right? But I think ultimately in the end, any parent that cares will try to do what they can to uh, facilitate growth. And, you know, as parents, I think we fail a lot of times, but some of the, some of those opportunities we we do well and ultimately and you know we're in a learning curve too i would probably say that like i say this to any parents that i meet and i think that when their kids are like 20 i think it's an, they take it as an insult but i say like you should not have children if one of your spouse like if you or your spouse are not ready to stay at home and work at it and i say that to them well that's a privilege and it's, it definitely is yeah. yeah so i would say this you know ultimately when you look at life Balance in life between, you know, spiritualism, financial, and family. That is the greatest thing I think you can learn is to have a good balance in that. And if you can do that with integrity and character and a loyalty and a discipline, then I think you're going to set yourself up pretty good. In fact, in almost any career you get into. But then add the passion and the purpose, and now you've got a home run, right? Yeah. And so... Uh, as I've shared with you and, and, our, and our other kids, 
is that I want you to do something that you're passionate about. Because ultimately, in the end, what they say is that if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. It's actually true. I can say after 27 years in financial planning, I actually am just as juiced up and excited and adrenaline every day. Doesn't mean you're not tired. Doesn't mean you're not stressed. Doesn't mean that you don't have everything go, you know, those days that you just want to, you know, pull your hair out. But to get up the next day full of vigor to go out again. And that's a passion. When you find that, and that's my greatest joy is if you can find the things that you love to do and use that as that, you know, that stepping stone in growth. Because what happens is then you desire to grow. You desire and have a purpose to grow. You can find joy in what you're doing. And that's just, you can't pay for that. It's just beyond measure. I I 100% agree. Um, I just really quick, because we are kind of running out of time. I want to ask the current state of the market right now, the mm-hmm. stock market, interest yeah. rates have rose. I mean, the, the real estate market has, I believe in Niagara, I just saw a statistic. Shout out to Andrew Kokowski for sh- posting this. Um, I believe sales have dropped 33%. Yes. Well, you know, we've had a 40-year bond run, meaning we had interest rates of 20% in 1981, and we have interest rates last year basically zero. And now inflation due to COVID, spending, due to uh, supply chain issues, uh, war issues, many issues. But, uh, you know, housing prices are going to be under pressure. Uh, Rates are going to go up a couple more times for sure. And what will end up happening is, you know, there's going to be a softening in the market. Now, that doesn't mean it's all bad because, quite honestly, you know, things grow back to a mean. and, And we've had incredible gains in real estate. And so, quite honestly, if you bought last week or a month ago, you're, you're going to get hurt a little bit. But if you bought five years ago, you're just giving back some of the profits. Well, I mean, you just sold your building after 41 years, and you certainly saw the profits out of that. Right. And, uh, but I, I made a conscious decision to make a change yeah. and to sell. But again, it all depends on your situation. If you're buying your own personal home or you're buying rental properties, what is your timeline, again, for owning those properties? So again, going back to the financial planning process... It is, again, about each individual a la carte. Why did you buy the building? Why are you buying an investment? What's the timeline? What's the goal? What are the parameters around that? And then you make a good decision around that. You know, getting advice is so crucial. I would say 85 to 90% of wealthy people have an advisor. Or at least somebody that they go to for advice. No, I mean, genuinely, the statistics are 85%, I believe, or more, that have wealth have an advisor. Yeah, uh, well, I, I do believe it. Um, what's one tip that we can kind of give to, like something that's not so, I guess, a la carte, something that should be basic in everybody's livelihoods. The first thing I think of is an emergency fund. Everybody should have an emergency fund that saves between yes. six to nine months. And I would add emergency fund would be the first thing on most people's minds. But as well, I find many people have no wills and no power of attorneys. And that is mind-blowing when you think about the, the issues around that. And, you know, I can only tell you, dealing with many, many families, the problems around that are astronomical. And I can't believe how many people put that off. So, yes, son, uh, I would say, you know, a cash flow emergency fund, absolutely crucial. Second, get a good advice. Maybe third, dollar cost average invest on a monthly basis and fourth make sure as an adult that you have your power of attorneys in place for your health and finances as well get a will done so really quick 
I, it's interesting. And I, I remember asking you this because you set me up with a life insurance policy. And I was like, what do I care after I die? And then he said, well, just wait. And then a close friend, Isaac Moore, who's unfortunately his dad passed away when he was really young, is now, you know, receiving a, a portion of life insurance money. And he was asking you, what do I, what do I do? And that money is actually going to help him for the rest of his life. Yes. So yeah, sure. Like, yeah, you're dead and gone and, and yes. whatever, like you might think that, but then at a later age, when you have a family, then you really well, think and this is the problem. So in my world, I have to think in silos one year, five year, 20, 30 years. Well, it's unfortunate too. Like you might have a client that's 85. You have to have the conversation of, well, when you go, mm-hmm. this is what you need. Yeah. And so obviously it, it's, you don't want to have that conversation at 85. You want to have that conversation at 35, 45, 55, because quite honestly, to put in place certain issues, especially insurance and others, you want to do that at appropriate times. So I'm going to ask you a specific question. I could ask you definitions on everything and to explain everything. Because I remember going through the book when I was and like, there was so much stuff that was just absolutely way over my head. And I think I know a decent amount about finance. Um, can you explain life insurance? Why does somebody need to get life insurance? Like why? Well, life insurance is a risk hedge, Right. So especially if you have a mortgage, you have children. I mean, and especially if you have a diversity in, in income or, or a, a big, big difference in incomes, um, that's absolutely crucial to have in place because insurance is the best way to manage risk. And so let's put this in perspective. Insurance comes in many ways, but life insurance specifically, you know, I've had situations, in fact, several of the situations where people under the age of 60 have passed away with wives, with children. And to go there in the midst of that tumultuous, you know, can you imagine the grieving to make sure that they're not grieving about their finances too, that they can actually pay off their mortgage. We can take care of all that. We can make sure the money is there to take over the loss of income of the spouse. Um, it is, it is so rewarding on a deep level that you have been there to make sure that the, the process was followed through. Even after you're gone. Even after you're gone. And we're there after you're gone to make sure that your wife and kids or vice versa, uh, your, your significant other is okay. So one of my final questions, I want to ask you to somebody who says, oh, screw that. Like, oh, I don't want to worry about that right now. You know, you got to let people have their own opinion. You can push them as right. much as you want. But at the end of the day, like it's their life, it's their money, yeah. right? I want to ask you, to somebody who says, what can a financial planner do for me now? What do you say to that? Well, let me ask you this question. If you went to the doctors and you had ailments and you said, but don't, I don't want you to touch me or I don't want you to do any tests. Just tell me what's wrong with me. Any professional doctor would say, you know, sir, when you're ready to actually have the test done, let me know and we'll get that done. So quite honestly, um, if somebody does not want to go through the process, I don't want them as a client because quite honestly, that tells me that they're in denial or that they don't want to to really honestly open up. And we as professionals have an obligation and a duty to ask the hard questions. So in that situation, when they're ready to actually talk about those hard questions, then I'm ready to listen. But I will say one thing. There's an art to ask the questions. And if you can bridge that and give them the, the, the trust and the confidence that they feel safe talking to you about those questions or those comments then usually it opens up. You, you'd be shocked how they open up if you can just find you know, a way to communicate at a, at, a, at a level that 
they can see your sincerity and that it's in confidence and that it's, you know, this is a, a this is a confidential conversation. And here I am not to judge you, but here I am to understand you. And if you're not willing to do that, then we can't work together. Yeah, it's like they tell you the emotions and they tell you the things that they want. And it's like like anything, a good professional, they get it done, right? So they understand the complicated side of it. Mm-hmm. The, the client doesn't necessarily, but the client does know what they want. And then I what would they say our see. job is to take the complicated and make it simple. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it is very complicated. Right. I, I mean, uh, I had a situation this afternoon. Somebody called me. They're not my client. They're a friend of mine. And they called me, and I gave them 30 minutes of my time. I basically solved a major problem financing with government funding. And we were able to help them think through the process. And I gave them two solid solutions. And she says, yeah, I never really thought about that. And I found it quite interesting. Yeah, it, it is crazy. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you will, you will do that and you, somebody will call you and you'll take the call even though it's, you know, for, for free. Cause at the end of the day, you're not about the money, but it is crazy to me. Like, wouldn't somebody want another person that they can literally just bombard with questions? Cause at the end of the day, if somebody calls you five times in one day, you're not going to answer their questions well, if they're not a honest, client. I mean, obviously I have several families I deal with. So Correct. W- within reason, but you know, uh, this person today said, you know, I really would love you. Would you be my coach? Uh, financial coach, I said, well, you know what? Why don't we do this? You're a friend of the family. You know what? If you need me once in a while, I'll be more than happy to help you out. But they're not even a client. And I gave them my time because I believe in people. And if I believe in people, I put them first, not the money. And quite honestly, I've been blessed financially, but the point is to put people first. And when you put people first, you're going to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Well, on that note, I ha- we have to leave for our flight. Yes. Uh, but I very much appreciate this. And I think we'll do a part two more diving deep into actual financial sure. planning because I think that's actually a really fascinating topic just to get into Wonderful. and educational. It's been a pleasure to be on. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, so I got to go to Vegas on some business, but thank you everybody for listening. And uh, I really appreciate you tuning in. If you do want to reach out, feel free to reach us at Meeting Gold on Instagram, TikTok. Um, you can reach out to me personally, Samuel Millie on LinkedIn, Instagram, or whatever other platforms we're on all of them. So with that being said, Stay tuned for more episodes just like this, and thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's Golden Guest on the Meeting Gold Podcast. If you learned something from today's episode, make sure to check out our other content on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, make sure to leave us a follow while you're there. Thanks, and have a golden day.